Hey everybody, it is Ryan, by myself, solo show this week, because Patrick is off jet-setting out in London, foggy old London town, and here I am by myself on my back porch, doing this with a microphone that I bought on Amazon yesterday, because no one's going to tell me what to do, especially Pat, so we're going to get into this game, and we're going to talk about what happened here. And we're going to have a good time, okay? So, with all that said, let's get into it. So you're probably thinking, what the hell happened? <laughs> um, that was a rough Sunday morning. Not sure at all what the Commodores were singing about. Um, but before we get into all of the details, I think it's important for us to set a little bit of perspective, right? The Bills right now are 3-2. and two. Now, if we look at it from week five, we're tracking three wins for every one loss, which would be three and one, six and two, nine and three, and then around 12 and four, 13 and five, etc. That's where the Bills have been historically over the last three years or so. Now, granted, you can make the argument that, you know, those years ended poorly and we didn't get past the, I mean, obviously the AFC Championship game a couple of years ago, and um, but couldn't get past the divisional round for the last two years. Here's the thing, though. This is a tough team, and of course, a loss like this stings, but I know that they have what it takes to get right. Now, the injuries <laughs> that uh, everybody saw on Sunday morning that presents uh, quite a challenge. You have Tredavious White going down in week four, and then Milano and Daquan Jones uh, in London in week five. Those are huge losses. And as I saw it today, um, Milano and Jones are out indefinitely. That could potentially be for the rest of the season, but for all intents and purposes, uh, they're going to be out for quite some time. So, bummer, no doubt, but we must endure as a team. And it's one loss at the end of the day. In quite a wonky situation and circumstance, mind you. I understand that, you know, at least I was under the impression that going over as late over to London as late in the week as possible to me seemed like a logical thing to do. Don't make it a bigger deal than it needs to be, you know, the you stick to a schedule to try to mimic the uh, the East Coast time as much as possible and just show up, get the job done, call it a day. Um, that appears to not hold any water whatsoever uh, with how we saw the Bills perform. And to that point, too, uh, Travis Etienne, the um, running back for the Jags, also had made a comment about how they felt like they were the Jags were more prepared to play on Sunday after being in London for a week. And he felt the week prior, when they played the Falcons in Andy's room, that they felt like they were kind of sleepwalking. So he, he kind of expressed some empathy toward the Bills in the position that they found themselves in. So a bit of a weird circumstance, obviously, and not something that the Bills were used to. At the end of the day, chalk it up. It's one loss. Uh, two losses on the season now with... Uh, a pretty rough stretch coming in at the end, you know, kind of three-quarter way to the end of the season. 
Uh, but let's not get too ahead of ourselves. So let's talk about the game. Um, the offense, Bill's offense, could not seem to get anything going uh, to start the game. Uh, you had a three and out to start after the Bills, uh, you know, deferred to the second half, which I think is always the right move. I, I very much appreciate a deferment. Get the ball at half, try to double dip beforehand, and, you know, Bob's your uncle. The Bills offense, for whatever reason, and I'm sure maybe we'll get some more insight, you know, leading into this week or whatever, could not get things moving whatsoever. Three and outs, three and outs, three and outs. Um, third down, which is normally something that uh, the Bills excel in, uh, they were 42%. Uh, from what I can see, they were 5 for 12, which they're normally above 50%. Uh, you know, Pat and I have talked about this before. It always feels like, in any circumstance, I don't care the, the distance, third down is something that we can always we can always convert it. Uh, that clearly was not the case uh, this past Sunday. Um, and then also, too, as far as the overall game is concerned, you know, this is more toward the third and fourth quarter. Uh, but I guess leading into the half as well, the time of possession uh, for Jacksonville was just insane. Uh, on the whole game, it was uh, 38-12 for Jacksonville to 21-48. Um, knocking on the door of... Uh, three to one <laughs> possession time. That's pretty crazy. And, you know, as the Bills have been successful in the last couple of weeks, you've seen the opposite. You, you've seen those numbers reverse to where Buffalo's been able to control the clock and, you know, I, I wouldn't say score at will. I mean, I guess they could, but it was almost like by design that they're trying to break down these defenses and then really, um, you know, put the dagger in toward the end of the game. I mean, clearly, you know, putting up at least 35 points in the last three games. Um, yeah, just just not something that, that I think any of us expected uh, this past Sunday. So, yeah, third down was a problem. Uh, and as far as the time of possession is concerned, you know, obviously the Bills running game uh, was, was quite an issue. <laughs> um, the total yards... Uh, for the Bills was 388. Josh threw for 359. Um, pretty Im pretty impressive, I guess, right? Like nothing uh, too crazy. But when you look at the total yards for the team at 388 and Josh is accounting for 359, that obviously leaves 29 rushing yards total. Now, that's a problem. And... To me, I don't I don't know offhand if it is an offensive line problem. I don't know if it is strictly a running backs problem. I don't know if it's a play calling problem. However, say what you will about the there are positives with James Cook. There are. I think he's he's an exceptional player, really quick, great kind of player in space traditionally. Say what you will about Devin Singletary over the last couple of years, and maybe this is rose-colored glasses just because of the you know the way that the game ended on uh, Sunday for the Bills. But the yards after contact for Singletary for uh, Moss, which is a whole other story now, and running backs 
of the recent past in Buffalo. I feel like I was always accustomed to seeing them get maybe a half a yard, another yard after contact, you know? And when you're trying to keep drives alive, that makes a huge difference. Second and six is way di- obviously. Second and six is way different than second and seven. Um, second and five is way different than second and seven. If you can keep those those runs alive for a little bit longer and get some yards after contact, that is going to benefit your team. It's going to benefit the offense overall. And again, I don't know if I'm just in a uh, sour <laughs> position as far as the uh, the Bills' performance this past Sunday is concerned. But to me, I feel like the yards after contact is something that is not in James Cook's playbook. It's not in his set of skills from what I've seen so far. I'd be curious to know what everyone else thinks. but um, And again, I'm not trying to take anything away from James Cook. Like He's, he's been good for, for the Bills' run game. Um, and I do think that like there have been some opportunities for him when there have been change of pace backs coming in, like um, you know Damian Harris or Latavius Murray. Like I think that you know they're all different styles of runner, and all three of them are helping each other. But I I feel like the as far as the Bills struggles to keep drives alive with these three and outs that we saw, to me the issue was was in the run game. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Nothing against James Cook. And let's be honest too, like the run game was not the only reason why the Bills didn't uh, win the game on Sunday. You know, like I mentioned before, and like everyone noticed, there clearly was a uh, a lag of, of play from the start uh, up until maybe the, you know, what, last five, <laughs> seven to five minutes of the game. Um so, yeah, and I think that, that the penalty situation played a huge part in it as well, obviously. The Bills had 11 penalties for 109 yards. That, for itself right there, is six points, you know? Uh, you can make the argument that if you, uh, you know, go under uh, 100 yards in penalties, you know, maybe this has a different uh, outcome as far as the score is concerned. Uh, but, yeah, no, the, the penalties were, were obviously an issue, too. Um, and it seemed like a lot of them came on defense, which is not a knock on the defense uh, because I think they played really, really well, uh, as well as they could for the amount of time that they were on the field in total. Um, yeah, so it's it's a bummer overall as far as the performance is concerned. It's a major bummer as far as the, the injuries are concerned. Uh, losing Milano is without a doubt a huge, huge, uh, you know, loss. Uh, for for the Bills, Milano has been playing fantastic this entire season. Uh, was looked to be one of those like you know really kind of breakout years, uh, and you saw it from uh, it, for those who watched the the Sunday night game. You know they recap the uh, the morning game, the Bills and, and Jags game, and and everyone that was making any kind of commentary there, if you put any stock in any of that. Um, they were all pretty clear as far as like the the impact that Milano has on the uh, Bills defense. As far as like the linebacker position across the league, he's a top tier uh, linebacker. So uh, losing him is is definitely an issue. 
Uh, same with Daquan Jones. You know, we talked about it last week. Daquan Jones led the team in pressures. Uh, has been a, a really you know pivotal uh, and and strong force for the Bills' defensive front that's been stellar up to this point. Uh, so losing both of them for what seems to be an extended period of time, if not the uh, remainder of the season, is uh, can't say it enough how how you know much of a bummer that is. Um, but on the positive side, I noticed that you know Dorian Williams coming into the game, he didn't seem to be playing uh, all that bad. You know, to be clear. Um, and then also too, like he had a really good preseason, so I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, don't get me wrong, like you know, Matt Milano is a fantastic player, and I'm not saying that we have any type of weak side linebacker, uh, you know, controversy coming in here. Uh, but it's nice to see that Dorian Williams could step up. Uh, he had a, a few uh, tip passes and was really kind of flying all over the field. Uh, so from what we saw in the preseason and what we saw after Milano went down, you know, he he really put a lot of effort in and, and you know, didn't hurt the defense. <laughs> Let's put it that way. But listen, we can blame the performance of the Bills for the loss all day long. But I need to be honest with everybody because I bear some responsibility in this one. Um, I am a creature of habit. When I have success, when the Bills win, uh, and, and I did something or wore something, whatever the case, like superstition-wise, if I did something to help the Bills win, I replicate that from week to week. For the last three weeks, I have worn the same Don Beebe jersey every single week with same <laughs> identical artic articles of clothing underneath that jersey and downtown as well. I'll let you fill in the blanks there. So for whatever reason, this week I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to mix it up a little bit. I don't know why. I don't know why I was compelled to do that. It was a stupid error, and I'm sorry to everybody. So I mixed it up, and I went with a different jersey. I went with a classic number 14, Frank Reich. And I thought, going into the game, I love Frank Reich. Frank Reich's fantastic. Did I, Greatest uh, playoff comeback, that's not in the Super Bowl, uh, in NFL history, you know? So, gotta support Frank. But then I realize, one, I'm not wearing the same jersey that I always do, that that has been successful for us the last three weeks, and Frank Reich's 0-4 as far as the, now 0-5, I think, as far as the his record with the Panthers are concerned. So, like, this is something I realized driving home, uh, which I'll get into in just a second, driving home from the game that I watched at a friend's house, uh, because who's not excited to wake up at you know, nine in the morning, go to a friend's house, have a little bit of breakfast, a little bit of brunch, maybe some coffee and watching the game with friends. It sounded like a blast. So I don't know why I didn't wear the Don BB jersey. It's going back on for Sunday night football. And I apologize, but here's where I need to be a little clear here. So I went to my wife and I and our kids, we went to a friend's house um, to watch this game because last week, if you remember, we had all of our friends at our house, nice little outdoor tailgate. It was a blast for the Dolphins game. So they volunteered to host everybody this week. And I said, great, that's awesome. I don't have to clean my house before or after. I can make your house a complete uh, you know, wreck and then be like, all right, got to go. Sorry, they got a nap. 
But we go to their house and obviously very thankful for them to have us over. Uh, very kind of them. And it was a fantastic party. But about halfway through the game, I realized, huh, I don't think I've ever seen the Bills win a game when I've been in this house. And then I realized the only other time I've watched a game in this house was in 2019 against the Jacksonville Jaguars, the 9-6 game, Urban Meyer's uh, second win in the, the NFL, I believe, one of his only wins, where the Bills put up an absolute stinker in Jacksonville. So now this house that I go to, a good friend of mine's house, is completely defeated against Jacksonville. And I am never going to this house ever again to watch a game. I don't care the circumstance. I don't care if they're playing anybody else. I'm not going to put myself in that kind of position for myself. I'm not going to put myself in the position for Bill's Mafia. And I'm definitely not going to put myself in that position for Josh Allen because I love Josh Allen. And he played fantastic, and, it's, and I bear some responsibility here. If I own that house... I would immediately put it on the market. And Lord knows it's a seller's market right now, so you're probably going to clean up. I would just rid yourself, Matt, if you're listening, I would rid yourself of that house because, or at least I'm not going over there ever again to watch a game um, unless it's an absolute shoe-in. And of course, I'm just kidding. I love you guys. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. But I'm never going back. So we're moving forward. We're done with this, Okay. We're going to put this to bed. We're going to put a nice little bow on it. Let it sleep through the night. But before we do that, I'm going to introduce a new segment here. As executive producer of this show and part-time media personality, I feel it's my duty to introduce segments into this show, regardless of what Pat loves to talk about every single week about he's doing everything. That's garbage. Two weeks in a row now I'm introducing new segments. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about this game on Sunday, this past Sunday, with a new segment that I like to call Big Dog, Little Dog. Big Dog, Little Dog is exactly how it sounds. We're going to talk through some of the big dogs of the game. They're out there eating. They did great. Well, let's talk about a little dog. Guys who maybe want to be stepping up a little bit. So, without further ado, brand new segment, Big Dog, Little Dog. Big Dog? A.J. Epinesa. Two solo tackles, two sacks, one forced fumble, one fumble recovery, and if I recall, I believe it was his own forced fumble that he recovered, big dog, and three passes defended. You could see him all over the field defensively. Um, Now, granted, I understand it's a unit. You got 11 guys out there. But he was playing with his hair on fire in a game where we absolutely needed him to. And in a season where people were kind of on the edge of, like, would he maybe not even make the team? Um, The the amount of effort that he put in and the output of that effort, the outcome of that effort, that makes him a big dog, as far as I'm concerned. So, AJ Epinesa, congratulations. You are the inaugural winner of the Let's Go Duffalo Big Dog Award. Little dog, Bill's cornerback, Kair Elam. Now... You could see that he was getting picked on all day. And I guess maybe benefit of the doubt. You know, he's going through some uh, some some issues as far as his performance is concerned. 
Uh, pretty lackluster preseason. Obviously, it's been a healthy scratch up so far this season up to uh, this Week 5 game uh, in London against Jacksonville. So if you want to give benefit of the doubt, maybe he's a tad rusty. Hasn't had any game action since the end of last year, some meaningful game action since the end of last year. Um, and there were times where he shined last year uh, for the Bills' defense with, with Trey not being uh, all the way back and uh, with some of the injuries that we saw in the uh, defensive backfield for Buffalo. However, that's where the benefit of the doubt <laughs> goes away from me. Um, I think it was pretty clear that he was uh, a pretty glaring issue as far as the Bills' uh, defense was concerned, uh, and the, the pass defense, obviously, as a whole. Now, what are you going to do, right? You know, he is your, your as, as far as Coach McDermott's concerned, what are you going to do? you got to play him, right? Going into that game, you have Christian Benford down, out. You have, obviously, Tredavious White out. And you have this first-round pick who has game action, like I said, played last year, and didn't do terrible, um, but clearly wasn't doing well enough to make his way to earn a jersey uh, with uh, during weeks one through four. So you got to play him. I was optimistic. I felt like this was going to be something that, like, you know, a good opportunity for him to prove himself and, and maybe build some confidence back. But he looked like he was getting picked apart. Now, I don't know if this new signing is a direct reflection of how he played or if it's just a, um, you know, a, a necessary move based off of the depth that you have at cornerback overall. Uh, but the Bills, obviously, today signed veteran cornerback Josh Stiffarm taken Norman uh, back to the, the squad. Um, and what I can only assume is your safety emergency depth at cornerback. Now, if we see Norman play over Elam, like, I think that is all you need to say and see as far as, you know, Kyer Elam's, you know, longevity with the Bills going forward. Um, but nevertheless, it was pretty clear that he was getting picked apart, uh, Elam, that is. So, um, Kyer Elam, I'm sorry, you are this week's little dog. Next up, Big Dog 2. I'm going to have to give it, begrudgingly, to the other half of this podcast, Mr. Pat Duffy. Now, Pat's been known to embellish a story here and there. Aren't we? Don't we all, right? Any good storyteller is going to embellish, take a few liberties with the, with the truth here and there. Um, from my understanding, from what Pat told me directly, so their flight to London... They were going from Rochester to LaGuardia, LaGuardia to Heathrow. The flight from Rochester to New York City was delayed for whatever reason. Who knows? I didn't get that detail. However, it was delayed so much to the to to where they may have were likely going to miss their flight out to London to land in Heathrow. So, based off of Pat's storytelling of of this whole incident. He gets off the plane with his two young, beautiful children and his, you know, beautiful wife. He grabs all of their luggage, tosses it over the shoulder, and dead-ass sprints from, I can only assume, uh, one terminal to the next terminal. Probably, if we're listening to Pat, it's going to be about 16 miles. He dead sprints from his gate 
to the gate that they're taken off to go to London. And Home Alone style, I can only assume, gets there right as the door is closing. With his family in tow, and the kind flight attendant person from Air France says, oh, you know, bonjour, I bet. Um, Thanks for showing up. You made it just in time before we locked the door and you were never going to be able to leave this airport. I think that's how that works. So, big dog, Pat, I think you taking care of your family, you putting one on your shoulders, literally putting four on your shoulders. Who knows what your kids have in their carry-on? Taking bricks and stuff. Big dog, I got to give it to you. I I think that's that's a good fatherly move. That's a good husbandly move. At the beginning of the trip, too, like to keep the trip alive, that's how you sustain drives right there. So, Patrick, big dog, congratulations. Um, As far as little dog, little dog is the dude in the stands at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, Jaguars fan, in a overcoat, collared shirt, bow tie, and what looked to be extremely professional hair and makeup face paint on in the form of a Jaguar, which obviously is fitting. What are we doing here? What are, what, what are you, what are you doing? You didn't put that on yourself. If you did, honestly, like, congratulations, that's awesome. But I've seen this guy, I obviously saw him on the telecast, have seen this gentleman pop up, assuming it's a gentleman, you know, I hate to make an assumption, but let's just say he's a dude. I see this dude popping up on social media, on Bleacher Report, etc. and so forth. I need to know more about this person. Because if you are a Jags fan who took the flight over to London to see your team play, Maybe you've stayed for two weeks. I mean, if you're putting that amount of effort into your makeup and outfit going into the game, I can only assume you were there last week, too. So, one, what are we doing here with that whole getup? Two, I really hope my brother met you because I have so many questions. And three, are you getting any other use out of that whole, you know makeup situation you know which is if you are that's awesome like i think like you know that's just a wise investment you know get your return but little dog as far as i'm concerned so little of a dog that you're actually a cat (laughs) so yeah little dog to that person you looked fantastic extremely dapper you know fitting for london but nevertheless as far as i'm concerned little dog so brand new segment we're gonna bring it back Every now and again, I assume. Or you'll never hear from it ever again. So, you know, stay tuned, I guess. Um, but what we're going to do here is we are going to take a very quick break. And we're going to come back up to wrap up the show. And we're going to talk about what the Bills have going on this coming Sunday. Sunday Night Football. The Day Bowl. Coming back to Buffalo. With maybe Daniel Jones. Possibly Tyrod Taylor. And uh, we'll break into that game and see what we got uh, up next for the Bills. So we'll be right back. Wow, that was a great uh, little break that we got to take there. Hope everyone used the bathroom. The uh, ad that was there, I think maybe top three 
uh, brands that I enjoy, personally speaking. I mean, I know I'm biased, but I will say that was, um, you know, this big time, big time uh, ad right there. So, um, Giants coming to town, Sunday night football, another primetime game for the Buffalo Bills, and quite an interesting dynamic cast of characters, if you will, coming back to Orchard Park. Now, granted, the Giants are uh, sitting at one and four. They are fourth in their division. They have had some struggles of late. Um, the odds are well in the Bills' favor to pull this one out. You know, you got to get right game, uh, just just in a sense of bounce back from a poor showing. You get back home in Jackson or in London, that is. You get back home. You're in the comfort of your own home. You're sleeping in your own bed. You're you're going to your own facility every day. Let's let's you know get right back in the the right mindset of things, some familiarity. So get right game in that sense. Um, also, you take a look at the matchup itself. Uh, the Giants off to a pretty pretty poor start. Uh, they've had some primetime games, and I think everyone would agree that they may have uh, a little bit of opportunity. Let's put it that way, to uh, to you know be a little bit better performing. However, one thing I think we all need to take into account here is how big revenge games are in the National Football League. And if we're just talking from a uh, from you know compounding revenge games, you obviously have Brian Dayball revenge game. You've got second string potentially starter with Daniel Jones listed as questionable as of uh, you know Monday evening. Tyrod Taylor revenge game. He could be getting the start. Matt Breida revenge game. He's uh, you know potentially going to be getting some uh, some uh, playing time with uh, Saquon Barkley still uh, likely to not play. Isaiah Hodgins revenge game. Starting wide receiver, former Buffalo Bill. You have Boogie Basham revenge game. If you guys recall, uh, the Giants picked him up. And let's also not forget Nick McLeod. Free safety uh, for the New York Giants uh, revenge game against Buffalo, and I'm sure several others that I'm you know not remembering. Tommy Sweeney, for that matter. Tommy Sweeney revenge game. You got what? What is that? Six, seven revenge games right there. Um, I think the Giants are going to have a lot to play for. Now, if you want to take a look at the uh, primetime performances of Daniel Jones, history-wise, I know they they made a huge big big stick about that on Monday Night Football. Um, you know, that sucks to uh, not be playing as well uh, when the bright lights come on. In fairness, uh, Josh didn't play very well when the bright, bright lights came on earlier this season. So uh, I know he's had some success as far as prime time is concerned in the past. Uh, but let's just call all things equal there. And at this point, we still don't even know if Daniel Jones is going to be playing. Um, so with all of that said, I think that this is a good matchup for the Bills. I think there's a lot of potential here uh, for them to right the ship and, uh, you know, get a win on Sunday. Um, from what I can see, the uh, betting odds are in um, the Buffalo Bills' uh, favor. Uh, right now I can see that they have, an, uh, as, according to ESPN Analytics, an 891 uh, chance of winning this game, uh, and I don't see any line right now, and I don't bet, so who cares about that? 
Um, but, oh, I'm sorry, Buffalo minus 14. So 14 points on the board. If you're a betting person, I don't know, those are numbers. Maybe don't bet or bet. I'm not your dad. Um, and then the over-under is 45, which um, looking at the Giants' last few games here, um, they've put up under 20 in every single one of them. So I don't th- if 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 the over is going to hit, I think that has to be uh, likely on the uh, Bills is back. Uh, week one for the Giants, uh, they got a goose egg against the uh, Cowboys, forty to nothing. We all remember that game. Uh, they did put up thirty one against the Cardinals on the road in that uh, that comeback win. Uh, but then for the last three weeks, they've put up 12, 3, and 16, respectively. So, um, yeah, I don't think there's a lot of potential for points in this game uh, coming out of the Giants. Uh, however, 45 points over and under, you do what you want. I don't care. Um, but, yeah, I think that this is a great opportunity, all joking aside, this is a great opportunity for the Bills uh, to right the ship. Uh, I think it's a great opportunity for the uh, backfills and the now starters on the defensive side of the ball uh, to really get accustomed to, in a home environment, uh, how fast and, and, and how uh, quick this defense moves uh, and, and get them accustomed to, uh, to game action as quickly as possible. Um, that goes for Dorian Williams. Uh, that goes for uh, whoever is going to be playing cornerback obvious opposite um, uh, Christian Benford, assuming that he's back, uh, whether that is Elam or whether that is Norman or whether that is, that is Ingram from the practice squad getting called up. Uh, but nevertheless, I think it's a great opportunity for the Bills. I'm very excited to see uh, what they've got in store for the home crowd. And I know uh, that after last week, I'm sure they are all super excited to be playing back in Orchard Park. So uh, with all that said, um, very excited. And I uh, look forward to talking to everyone here uh, next week when Pat's back to where we can actually have some production quality and I'm not just rambling into a microphone. Uh, but in the meantime, if you are looking for more Let's Go Duffalo content, you can always find us on TikTok at let's.go.duffalo. And also, if you're interested, I, Ryan Duffy, will be filling in for the uh, esteemed Patrick Duffy on the Rochester Press Box this weekend. Uh, so be sure to catch that. I'll be uh, you know doing my normal uh, accustomed panel thing as far as, you know, part-time media personalities are concerned. Uh, So, yeah, feel free to check out that. And I'm looking forward to uh, sitting down with uh, with Tariq Spence from WDKX as well as Bill Pucko to uh, talk about sports Uh, because I seem to enjoy it sometimes. Who knows? And they keep asking me back. So, you know, not my fault. Uh, But anyway, thank you so much for tuning in. Very much appreciate it. And uh, we will see you next week. But until then, go Bills!